If you'll take your copy of Scripture and turn to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 6. Pictures are a very important part of our life. Pictures capture moments. They share stories without any words at all. In fact, you can see a picture and it'll, it'll just kind of give you this reality of what's happening in that moment. This picture right here is very special to me. It's my mom and dad. I didn't know that within a year they would be gone. This is at my wedding. This picture right here is when we moved here to New Mexico. First weekend we were here, we took the kids to Roswell, hoping that they would fall in love with their new home state. That picture is right after Heather said, I do. And uh, I, had, I could sweat a lot less at that point, worrying that she wouldn't say yes. That picture right there is VBS. One of my favorite times during the year. Captures the moment of when uh, I just get to share in the joy and wonder of what do we do at VBS and get a pie in my face. Another picture of my wedding. Thankful that God had moved and brought her into my life. When Sarah was born. It's my grandparents. People have been so integral and valuable in my life that have made an impact. One more. Baptism. Baptism is a picture. Baptism shows a moment in our life when the work of Christ is made real. And we're able to profess that work in front of everybody. We've been talking a lot about new life and what that means and how it works and the benefits of it. And one of the things that God has given us is a picture. Today we're going to talk about baptism. I wish I could have shown a picture of my baptism, but we didn't have pictures back in the Stone Age when I got baptized. But here's the thing. I don't have to have a picture of me personally getting baptized. I have the picture of baptism. If you don't have a personal picture of you being baptized, don't worry. Every time that we see someone plunged into the waters and raised out of the waters, it's a reminder of our picture. And today, I want to talk about baptism because here's the thing. We don't see baptism as a picture. We don't see baptism as a gift. We don't see baptism as a grace in our life. The reality is that God has given us this wonderful gift called baptism to remind us always of what he's done in our life. Now, I want to be very particular how I choose my words because there are some people who believe that baptism saves us and it does not. In 1 Peter 3 verses 18 through 21, it tells us that baptism does not save us. It's just the, 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 the appeal from a good conscience that we've been cleaned, that we've been washed by the blood of Jesus. Baptism is just a picture of that. And Paul, writing in Romans chapter 6, is trying to help a group of people understand how to take the new life that they've been given. He spent five chapters talking about the gospel and talking about new life and talking about what it looks like to be a believer. And they had questions. Well, if I'm a believer and I've been washed in the blood of Jesus, how am I going to remember that? How am I going to hold on to that? What am I going to have when the world kind of begins to crash down around me? What am I going to be able to hold on to and say, I know, I know. And Paul gives us this wonderful truth. It's baptism. Baptism is this generous, gracious, wonderful gift that we've been given and is an anchor for our soul. That every time we see it in other people, it reminds us of what Christ has done for us. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, at the end of this service, I'm going to make an appeal to you because I believe the appeal is here in Scripture. That if you've never been baptized, you need to be. Because you're missing out on an integral part of your story. 
You're missing out on an integral part of a faith that anchors you to who Christ is and what Christ has done. So I'll just be upfront with you. Baptism has become one of these things in our modern church where people don't see the need for it. I can still go to heaven. You're right. Baptism doesn't save you. But what baptism does is anchor you in the work of Jesus. Jesus commanded it. Jesus did it. We need to too. Romans 6. What should we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we've been buried with him through baptism into death so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so too we might walk in newness of life. For if we've become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lust and do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you for you're not under law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under law, but under grace? May it never be. Do you not know that when someone, you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed and having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, resulting in further lawlessness, now present your members as slaves to righteousness, resulting in sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Therefore, what benefit were you then deriving from the things of which you are now ashamed? The outcome of those things is death. But now, having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit resulting in sanctification and the outcome eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We are buried with him in baptism. It's a picture. It's a reminder. I say that every time that we go into the baptismal waters. This is a picture of what Christ has done for us. And there's two parts. Two parts to this picture. And I want to share it with you today because Paul breaks these things down. There's two parts. The first part is a, a tough part and it's a difficult part, but that, that we have to die. The first part of baptism is when we take someone and we put them under the water. Now, if you've never baptized somebody, you don't experience this, but I experience this all the time. No matter how big, no matter how strong people are, or how, how you know, competent they pretend to be, when I start to put somebody under the water, I can feel the shaking begin. 
Nobody likes to surrender that control. Nobody likes to go under that way and feel like that they're actually dying, but that's the picture. Part of this picture of baptism is a picture of death. And then we raise them up out of the water. And that's a picture of the new life that Christ has given. We have been resurrected to newness of life. This is what baptism is all about. This is the picture that we're trying to understand. The Holy Spirit is trying to give us. And it's the anchor to say, we have died and we have been raised. Now we need to go live. So we are buried with him in baptism. And so the question I want to put before we get to this is, what does baptism have to do with the sin in our life? Paul starts out and he says in verses one and two, what shall we say? Are we continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How can we who have died to sin still live in it? Later in the chapter, he says in verse 15, what then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law, but now we're under, the gra- under grace? May it never be. So why, what, what does baptism have to do with sin in our life? Well, baptism is the anchor that we have to the crucifixion, the death, the burial and resurrection of Jesus. It's a picture, but also it tells us about our relationship to sin People in the Roman church were not understanding. They understood grace. They understood faith. They understood how God was at work and doing different things. But all of a sudden they began to say, well, hey, listen, if I'm saved by grace and I'm given faith and I can just go live however I want, right? I mean, really, it's just grace. By grace, you've been saved and you'll receive grace every time you pray. And it's all about grace. And so if it's all about grace, then I can do whatever I want. Paul's saying, listen, We kind of have two bad options that we choose when it comes to dealing with grace. We go with license or legalism. License says because you've been saved by grace, there's no consequences to your sin and you can do whatever you want. This is a very bad interpretation of once saved, always saved. I hear people tell me that all the time. Well, I'm not a Baptist and I don't believe in once saved, always saved because that just means you can go do whatever you want to and there's no consequences. And I just say, "Eh, wrong answer. That's not what this is about. It's not about that you can live however you want to and now you can go do whatever you want to and there's no consequences. But the other bad response is legalism. Legalism comes along and says, if there's any whiff of sin in your life, you are not saved. If there's anything that you do and commit and if you do too much at one time, you can lose your salvation. Grace itself can't even take care of you. Paul says it's neither one of those things. Both of those things are unhelpful. Both of those positions create more questions and more problems. When there's license, Christ's death doesn't mean anything because it doesn't transform us and it doesn't make us new and that's not Christianity. Legalism is about following the rules and making sure that you're dotting the I's and crossing the T's and you're doing everything that you can and guess what? That isn't Christianity either. It's not about what you do. It's not about the works that you keep. It's about Christ and his finished work. And so here's what Paul says. God has given us a picture called baptism that we can hold on to, to remind us of the gospel message that we can't do what we want. We can't live how we want. And that we're not bound by legalism. We are bound by Christ. 
And to drive that home, he uses the metaphor of death. Look at verse three. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Think about that. Baptism, part of that is saying you're being being baptized into death. What does that mean? What, What has to die? Well, he tells us. We've been buried with him through baptism into death so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. If we've become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection knowing this. This is why. This is why we have to be baptized into death. Our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin for he who has died is freed from sin. We are baptized into his death. We're baptized into his death. We are united in the sacrifice that Christ has made. Literally what happens in that profession of baptism is the reminder of a death that happens in our life. Our old nature, our old self, and that sin nature that lives inside of us is done away with. Let me say that again. I don't think you caught that. Our old self, all the person that we were ashamed of, all the things that we've done that we're not proud of is gone. Our sin nature is taken away. We have been set free. And so here's what happens in baptism. We are reminded that just as Christ was crucified on the cross for the old self, for all the things that we did. See, that's what put him there. It wasn't because he was a sinner. It wasn't because he had done anything wrong. No, Christ was crucified for all the things that I have done and all the things that you have done. And here's what you need to hear. In the same way that Christ was crucified, our old person was crucified. The person who rebelled against God, the person who hated God, the person who lived for themselves was nailed to the cross. And to add extra on top of that, not only was that person crucified, but just as Jesus' body was put in the grave to symbolize his death, Our sin nature goes to the grave. So that picture, that powerful moment as we lay somebody back into the water, here's what we are saying. Do you remember? Do you remember that Christ was crucified for you? Your body of sin was crucified with him. Your old nature, your old self was crucified. As Christ was laid in the tomb, having died because of sin, guess what? Your sin nature has been laid in the tomb. Our old nature, our sin nature, our old person is completely gone. See, here's the the problem that we have is that we don't fully understand sometimes our own doctrine and our own theology. We say things like this, well, yeah, I was saved, but I'm, you know, I'm still a sinner. I was saved, but I still have the same problems that I had before. No, you don't. If this is true, and I know that it is, 
If every other teaching in, in the Bible is true, and I know that it is, there is something radical that happened to you the moment that Christ died for you and you accepted that in your life, you died too. And that old person's gone. And someone completely new has come. I mean, here's the thing. What does 2 Corinthians 5.17 mean? If anyone's in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And we say, amen, that's in the word. But I'm still angry. I still gossip. I still do all of these old things. It's just there, right? Wrong. We've bought the lie. We don't understand the story. We don't understand new life. Here's the reality. That person is dead. Someone new is alive in you. That's why in Romans 8 when it says there is no condemnation for those who believe in Jesus Christ. Why? Because the person who committed all the crimes, the person who rebelled against God, the person who lived apart from him is gone. This is what it means. I could allow everybody that's ever known me to come up and tell you all the bad and terrible things that I've done. And I can let the devil come up here and accuse me of all the bad and terrible things I've done. And I would agree with them all. But here's what I would say. You can't hold me accountable for that because that guy's gone. That guy's dead. There's somebody new standing here today. Somebody filled with the Holy Spirit made in the image of Jesus to live out new life. That guy is gone. We've been baptized into his death. The thing that separated us, the thing that kept us in slavery, the thing that allowed us to live in fear has been taken away. Because listen to this line. The end of verse six. Our old self was crucified. The body of sin might be done away with so that so that we might no longer be slaves to sin. Now here's the line, are you ready? You need to underline this, you need to memorize this. This needs to be a life verse for you. He who has died is freed from sin. Did you catch it? The whole point of baptism is to remind us that we have died. We go into the water and it says, okay, we've been crucified and our body's been laid in the tomb. That old person is gone and we were raised out of the water. We are new. And because we are new, we are free from sin. Listen, if that can't get you excited, we got problems. We're free from sin. We're free we have been healed from the disease that has ruined our life. We have been healed. Every bit of it is gone. This isn't remission. And I hate that word, remission. My mom struggled with ovarian cancer for 10 years and we would go in and out of remission. And basically what it means is we just can't find the disease. We know it's there, but we just can't find it. And it's gonna come back. See, there's a big difference between remission and healing. Huge difference between remission and healing. See, here's the thing. Jesus' forgiveness and God's grace doesn't put our sin in remission. It heals it. It doesn't put our death in remission. It heals it. It frees us from it. Here's the reality. 
If you are in Jesus Christ today, you have been baptized into his death and his death has crucified your old self. His death has taken your sin nature and put it in the grave and you have died to that and you are free. Now, there are people who take that and say, oh, well, if that's true, then I'm sinless. I'll never sin again. I'm perfect, just like Jesus. Eh, wrong answer. Sin is no longer master over us. Because we are full of the Holy Spirit, because we are a new creation, we can live in the commandments. We have the power of the Holy Spirit to say no. We will never be sinless and perfect until we are in the presence of Jesus. But here's what happens. Before we come to Christ, there is nothing that we can do except sin. That's the truth that people don't want to hear who are outside of Christ. I do good things. Sure you do. Like a blind hog. You find an acorn every now and then, don't you? But here's the reality. We are mastered by our old self. We are mastered by sin. We are slaves to the devil. We cannot help but do wrong all the time. And here's the truth. You are free. Now you can say no. Now you can live in purity. Now you can live in joy. Now you can live out God's commands. Can I give you some good news? When we understand baptism and the picture that it's painting and that our old self has been crucified and our old sin nature has been laid in the tomb, you are no longer a slave. The chains have been broken. The debt has been paid. You have been set free to stand on your feet and live, love, and worship God with all you have. That's the first part of the picture. We've been baptized into his death. And we've been baptized into his death so that we can be raised to walk in newness of life. One of my favorite parts of the baptism service is pulling them up out of the water and, and seeing them just pull all the water out of their face. I think it's a great example. This is what happens when we come into faith into Jesus and all that old self and all that old sin and that sin nature has been buried and we come up alive. We have to wipe our eyes so that we can start seeing the way that Jesus wants us to see. And there's never been a time when I've done a baptismal service where somebody's come out of the water with a frown on their face. They've come out of the water with their arms full of, well, that wasn't what I thought it was going to be. No. Joy. Joy. Hope. Peace. We are raised to walk in newness of life. This is the story. This is the picture. All of the stuff that kept us from God is now gone. We've been raised to live a new, abundant, everlasting, fruitful life in Jesus. Actually, we've been raised to have a life full of life. A life full of life. We get the exact opposite of what we had before. We get a life full of life, and that means a life full of relationship with God. 
a life full of intimacy with God, a life full of hope and joy and passion and purpose. We get a life full of life. It's the exact opposite of our old life. Listen to how he describes it. Verse eight. If we've died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lust. And do not present the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of unrighteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you. For you're not under law, you're under grace. Listen to how opposite this new life is. Death is no longer master over us. Hebrews chapter two has this idea he talks about that when Jesus comes, that he's gonna taste death for everyone and he's gonna take away the power that death has. What power is that? The only power that death really has over us is fear. See, death in league with the devil, death plays on our fears. We're afraid to die, why? Because we know, no matter what we say, that when we die, this isn't it. And that we are afraid that the things that we've done in this life will follow us into the next life. And so death has us afraid. Be afraid. Be very afraid because there's going to come a day when you die and the stuff that you've done is going to be found out and you're going to carry it from this life in the next life. And there's nothing you can do about it. Death makes us afraid because it teases us with loss. Death seems all-powerful. It seems unstoppable. It seems that when we lose someone to death, that that's it. But this is a scam. Death no longer is our master. Death no longer can master us and no longer can hold fear to us because death has been swallowed up by Jesus. <laughs> we come out of this part where we mimic our death. We remember our death. We celebrate our death. And then we are raised to life. The reason I love that moment is because people don't, I didn't understand it when I got baptized. It's only been over the last few years that I've really looked through this to understand it. Here's the reality. What's happening is God is proclaiming in that picture, you are alive and you will never die again. Death can't touch you. Death can't hurt you. Death can't hold you. You are alive. And so we are raised to life. And in that moment, that declaration in baptism is death you are not my master anymore. Jesus is, and now I have life. We are free from death because we have life in Christ. I've said this a million times, but it needs to be repeated. If you are a believer in Jesus, as Jesus says in John chapter 11, you don't die. Yes, our physical bodies 
may stop. But we don't die. Death comes for us in that moment as we're taking our last breath physically here. Death comes and he's waiting and he's ready and he wants to get his reward. And that moment we take our last breath here, we take our first breath in glory and death never touches us. We are snatched right out of his hands. Death is swallowed up in victory. When you stand in the water and you come up out of the water, you are standing in victory because death has been swallowed up by Jesus. I wish we would write a hymn called Jesus Drank It All because that's what he did. Jesus drank everything that death had and there's nothing left for us. We are free. We are free. Now listen, this isn't philosophical. This isn't theological. It's practical. Verse 11. Consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. We are raised to walk in newness of life. And here's what that means. You are dead to sin. You're dead to sin, but you're alive to God. It's the exact opposite of what we were before. What we were before is we were dead to God, but we were alive to sin. What does that mean? It means what gives us purpose and what gives us life and what gives us joy and all those kind of things. So before we come to Christ, we are alive to sin. Sin is what motivates us. Sin is what animates us. Sin is what gives us our purpose. And we are dead to God. But in that moment that Christ sets us free, he flips it. We become dead to sin. We become alive to God. So what does that mean? What does that look like? What well, he tells us. Verse 12. Do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you obey its lusts. Listen. I want to just say this. this is, I've been so excited to come and tell you this all weekend because it's excited me. Don't let sin reign in your body. It has no place. It's not your king. It's not your master. You're not its slave. Don't let sin reign in your body. Don't listen to the nonsense that people tell you, well, this is just the way that you are and that you can't do anything about it and there's no hope and there's no help. Christ has set you free. You are dead to sin. What he's saying is this. We wouldn't stand for another nation to come into our nation and say, we own this area. We're Lord over it. You have to respond to us and listen to us. What will we do? We would gather our army and we would go and take and push them out and destroy them and say, you have no place here. Do you understand that Jesus and the Holy Spirit have done the same thing in your life? When sin crops up in your life and says, I claim this area, Jesus says, over my dead body. Oh, you're big enough that you're going to push the Holy Spirit out? I don't think so. But what do we do? We surrender territory in our life because we don't think that we have victory. We say, well, I'm just angry. That's just the way that I am. I'm just addicted. That's just the way that I am. It's just the way that I am. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. I would agree with you if there was no such person as the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit has made you someone new. You are not what you were before. 
There's something new. Don't let sin reign in you. Sin cannot have dominion in your life unless you allow it. Listen, you need to hear this. We love these things where we talk about casting out demons in Jesus' name and declaring Jesus' victory over stuff. And we do it in all these weird ways except the way that Jesus says we should do it, which is to claim victory over our life against sin. And so what we need to be doing is we need to start talking to the sin in our life like we do all the crazy other areas of life. Here's what we need to say. Sin, you have no place in my life by the name of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, and by the Holy Spirit living inside of me. You must go. But we don't do that, do we? That's what baptism's all about. When you stand up and the water's pouring off you and you're standing there in the newness of life, God declares victory. Every time that you see somebody get baptized, it should remind you and you should rejoice and be excited for what God's doing in their life, but you should be reminded and rejoice. I have victory. I have newness of life. Sin has no place. Then he says, don't present yourself to sin. That's what verses 13 and 14 are talking about. Don't present yourself to sin to be used by it. Here's the scary reality that we don't like to talk about and we don't like to think about. Sin doesn't just show up in our life. We present ourselves to it. Oh, hey, sin, I'm Michael. Would you like to come blow up my life? Please do. Oh, and when someone is going to tell me that I shouldn't be doing that, I'm going to get mad at them and tell them that they shouldn't judge me because Jesus says, judge not. I present myself to you. I open the door to you. In fact, I'm going to practice this thing where I'm going to hide you and pretend that I'm not overwhelmed by you. And I'm going to show up on Sunday morning dressed in my Sunday best, carrying you with me. And we're going to sit and hear about victory. And we're going to sit and hear about freedom. And we're going to sit and hear about God's grace and mercy. And you're going to tell me, uh-uh, not for you. And I'm going to listen to you and not to him. Listen. Sin is no longer your master. Grace is. We don't like to use the term slave. And there's a lot of new translations that try to change that in the Bible, but we shouldn't. Yeah, the slavery that we were in before Christ is bad. We are chained to our sin. We are chained to death. We are chained to hell and to the devil. But God says, listen, I want you to commit to me. I want you to surrender me and become my slave. I want you to be chained to me. I want you to be chained to me in relationship to me and intimacy with me. Grace is our master. It's kind of hard to put those two terms together, isn't it? Grace and master. We hear the term master and we think of this mean, evil person who's whipping us all the time and making us do things that we don't want to do. And yet here's grace. 
Grace becomes our master and he says, listen, this is not beneficial for you. Here's God's way. This isn't healthy for you. I want to heal you from this. This is broken and I want to restore it. That's our master. And so he says, let's chain ourselves to him to be in newness of life. Verses 15 and following, he basically says, live your life for God. Verse 10, for the death that Christ died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. When you stand in newness of life, your life now is for God. And the rest of the chapter basically says, listen, don't be a slave to the things of death. You've been saved from them. You've been freed from them. And I don't want to be controversial, but I think this is a good illustration. I've seen pictures and videos of people being rescued from concentration camps. It's horrific. It's horrific to see what they endured. But what would even be more horrific is in the moment that they had been liberated from those camps, their chains had been broken, the gates had been opened, and they're walking out of death into life for them to stop at the door and go, I think I'm going to go back. I think I want to go back. And taking steps back and rehooking the chain. That's what we do. That's what you and I do when we walk back. We, we get to the point of freedom and we're about to step out into the newness of life and we say, no, I'm gonna go back to porn. I'm gonna go back to anger, to greed, to jealousy, to gossip, all the sins. And here's the reality, where do they lead? They lead to death and destruction. What will we say about a person who willingly walked back in the concentration camp and walked in to the oven and said, turn it on? And yet, God has set us free. And we turn and we walk right back into the concentration camp of our sin. And here's what he says, don't do that. And so every time that we see baptism, we need to be reminded that we have died to that death. We've died to that sin and we've been raised to walk in newness of life and we can choose life. Do you have this anchor in your life? Baptism's important. And I'm not just saying that to try to get you to come forward and get baptized. We're not about numbers. What I'm about is, do you have an anchor in your life? Do you have a moment where you've stood before people and said, I am not ashamed of who Christ is, what he's done in my life, and I wanna, be, I wanna make my public profession in baptism because that's what God calls us to do. Do you have that every time that we, uh, we have baptism here, you can look at that and say, yep, that's my story. <laughs> oh, Jesus did that for me. Yes, yes. Do you have that anchor? See, without that anchor, we can't deal with the lies that come in our life. The reason God has given us baptism is that he's given us a reminder. Every time we see baptism, we're reminded that our sin has been dealt with. We've died to our sin. We've been raised to walk in newness of life. And we're challenged. Every time we see baptism, we are challenged to say, are we walking in newness of life?
Are we living in victory? Are we living in freedom? So I told you before that I was going to make this appeal, but I want to make an appeal before I do that. If you're here today and you think, wow, that baptism stuff has a lot in it that I'd really like in my life. Well, baptism is not what you need. What you need is Jesus. You need to accept Christ's death, burial, and resurrection for you. Christ lived a sinless and perfect life so he could die a sinner's death to swallow up death and raise on the third day as a promise and guarantee that God has wiped away our sin. He's given us new life and we can be free. Have you ever done that? If you haven't, we're going to pray, we're going to sing, and I want you to come forward. I would love to talk to you and pray with you about that. Maybe you're here today and you've never been baptized. Oh, I got confirmed, or I got this, or I got that, or I came to faith later in my life, and I really don't want to do that again. Here's the thing. You're missing the anchor. You're missing the beautiful, wonderful story that God's given you. Have you been baptized? If you haven't, why not? What's keeping you? Maybe you need to ask yourself the question, am I walking in newness of life? Am I living in victory? Or have I freely presented myself to sin? If you've presented yourself to sin, here's hope. You can come and get on your face before God and you can repent of your sin. You can cry out to Jesus and if you confess your sin, Jesus will faithfully forgive your sin and wipe you clean right now. Let's pray. Father, all I can say is move. I know you're moving. I know you're speaking. I know you're calling. Help us respond. Help us not be afraid. Help our pride to not get in the way that we'd say yes. So we turn this time to you now and ask you to have your way. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.